listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Uh, we're going to turn tonight again to the Psalm 119, uh, the rest section of Psalm 119, reading the verse 153. Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Many are my persecutors and mine enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. I beheld the transgressors and was grieved, because they kept not thy word. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Uh, perhaps one of the most famous commentaries in Psalm 119 is written by uh, the Englishman Charles Bridges. And in his words, commenting on verse 25, he says this, Yet it is not the complaint of sickness, but an application to the physician or to the doctor that advances the recovery of the patient. He's making the point that to complain of being ill uh, but not go to the doctor will not help you in your recovery. He continues this way, We do not usually expect to better our condition by mourning over his badness or merely wishing for its improvement. Nor is it the confession of sin, but the application to the great physician that marks genuine contrition before God. And so in simplest terms, if we are to see ourselves enjoying spiritual revival, it will be in proportion to our going to the great physician to remedy our ills. Now, I understand we've seen this in the last couple of weeks. It is the desire of the child of God to be revived. We are always aware that we are not what we could be. And we're always mindful that our fellowship with the Lord is not what it could be. At least we should be aware of that. And if we're not aware of that, we have uh, become somewhat naive in our Christian walk. Is you think what it is to be a Christian... What is a Christian, in essence, in the language of the, the Word of God? Well, a Christian is alive, alive in Christ. They are born again in the Spirit of God. They're not, they're not dead in sin. But neither is the Christian altogether well. We understand the doctrine of remaining sin. And this word, we're not altogether whole. There's still remaining sickness and trouble. And so the child of God will not be content with, uh, again, those ongoing spiritual maladies. We certainly won't be content with a cold heart. And it's a worrying sign, always a worrying sign, if the child of God grows cold spiritually and do not care about it. That's a very bad sign. It ought to be a desire to burn in heart. Uh, we, we should note the first word of him we just sang, Oh, that word that is a pleading word, oh, for a closer walk with God. And so we accept that we're never what we could be in terms of our fellowship with the Lord. 
But beyond that general concept, we're also seeing in these studies that there are times when through neglect we find ourselves far from the Lord. We fall away from the Lord. Our prayer life is not constant and consistent. It is faltering and full of doubts. and It's just not that vibrancy that once we knew. Bible study once was eager, and uh, we, we walked with God in the Word. We delighted to see the Word, and we were enlightened through the Word. And yet over time, our Bible study becomes slow, mechanical. We get nothing out of it. And when we do see something, we're slow to obey the Word. There's a change. And we recognize that change. Once the, the Word of God lived, and we could, we could see, if you like, the pages living as you read the Scriptures, and now things are cold and dull, and the Word of God doesn't hold the light it once held. Our love for the Lord has waxed cold. Once we delighted to be in His house on His day, uh, now in many ways we are in the house of the Lord on the day of God through habit and ritual. And perhaps even that is only once in the Lord's day. It used to be twice and you wouldn't miss a service now. It's become so faltering and you're not giving yourself to the house of God because your love for the Lord has waxed cold. Once more time you delighted to lift his name in praise but now there's dullness and coldness in your singing the songs of Zion. You're less keen to speak of the Lord to even your saved loved ones or the saved in the church of God. Your, your conversation is so much more about the things of this world and less and less about the things of the Lord. These are signs of dullness and coldness and spiritual neglect. And, and again, these things should trouble our hearts. You see, to some degree, we all see a measure of spiritual sickness the degree may vary, but in our hearts we understand that week by week we find ourselves complaining of the maladies of not being as healthy as we should be in our walk with God. And so as Bridges says, it is not the complaint of sickness, but an application to the physician that advances the recovery of the patient. <coughs> this section, this rest section of Psalm 119, verse 153 and following, this section has more references to quickening than any others. And there are several verses in this portion. And as we study it together, we will see these pointers can give us hope for the Lord to quicken us. Confidence uh, connects prayer. And we're going to see that. I'm going to give you three overlapping thoughts as we, if you like, we beseech our great physician for this quickening. You're going to see three overlapping thoughts, and you'll see them in the text here that should comfort us and encourage us that if you find yourself in particular need for reviving today, there is hope found in the Word. And that hope begins, first of all, in the character of God. The hope that we have of experiencing reviving in our hearts is found in the very heart of God. Verse 159 says this, Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, and here's a phrase, according to thy loving kindness. He's seeking God in prayer. Quicken me. And immediately he grounds his prayer in the character of God's. The desire he has for quickening is grounded in God's loving kindness. Now you will, again by now, be familiar with this word. It's a word we see very often in the Old Testament scriptures. It is the word hesed. 
And it's translated in various ways. God's goodness, God's kindness. It's one of the words used for mercy. God's loving kindness. It is a very particular word used for God's mercy to his people. God's disposition of character to show kindness to those who find their rest in him. But primarily this word, it has a covenantal focus. It's a word that denotes God's covenantal commitment to be kind and loving to his people. Turn back to Exodus chapter 15. I want to show you just this, this linking of the covenant concept in this word for loving kindness used in the Psalm 119. Exodus 15 and the verse number 13. And you'll see it says there, Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. And this is the song of Moses. They've come through the Passover. They've crossed the Red Sea. And Moses is giving praise unto God. He sings in verse number one. And he's singing the praises of his God. And as he reflects upon God's purposes in his people, he, he notes redemption. He knows the blood. He knows the Passover lamb, whereby they've been delivered from the angel of death. But note verse 13. Thou, and it's in thy mercy. And that's our word. Loving kindness, goodness, chesed of God. It's God's mercy here. It's one of the words used for mercy. Not the only one, but one of the words used for mercy in the Old Testament. And what Moses is telling us here is, God has redeemed a covenant people out of Egypt to bring them to the promised land across the, across the Jordan as part of God's covenantal purposes. And then you'll see it also cross over in Exodus chapter 34. In Exodus 34, Moses again has a desire to see the Lord's glory. His concern again is that God will not go with them into the promised land. They're a sinful people, a stiff-necked people. What's going to happen? And God gives Moses assurances and comfort. But he also reveals himself to Moses. He, he shows himself. God says, I want to see your glory. And what does Moses show? Or what does God show? He shows Moses his attributes. Verse 5 and verse 6. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Here's God's self-revelation. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. God's revelation of himself, his name. And the word goodness there at the end of verse number six is our word again. God is abundant in goodness. His, his character is abundant in this loving kindness. And then the word mercy is our same word, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So the word is used twice in these two verses. It's God's goodness and it's God's mercy. But please note the word keeping. It's key. We're seeing God leading a people in covenantal faithfulness. Out of Egypt, towards the promised land, he's drawn them in his loving kindness, and as I said, and now he's revealed himself, he's a God who abounds in this attribute, and he keeps it. He keeps mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then across to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And again, in the second giving of the law, you get similar language used, Deuteronomy chapter 7. 
And the verse number 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy. And that's our word again. And so I'm trying to show you here, when you think of this word has said, and you see it in your Old Testament scriptures, the connection is of God's loving kindness, particularly in respect to covenant and to his faithfulness in keeping the covenant and showing his mercy to those that love him and keep his commandments. And so it's a covenantal term. And so by across to Psalm 119, as the psalmist prays, quicken me according to thy loving kindness, he's praying upon the ground of God's character. He is confident regarding God's determination to show good to his people as he calls upon the Lord. This covenant is secured by God's oath. This has said is God's commitment to display his loving kindness. God is good. Absolutely, intrinsically, essentially good. But the has said of God is his display of his goodness toward his people. And that display is secured by the binding of an oath. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee. The covenant is an oath-bound promise of God's goodwill towards his people. And so he's coming back to the faithfulness of God, secured by God's oath, sealed by Christ's blood. Why don't you turn across to Hebrews chapter 13? Hebrews 13, of course, all of God's covenants in the Old Testament Scriptures are sealed and secured by blood. All of them. Uh, there are blood atonement. And the, the very idea of making a covenant in the Old Testament is to cut a covenant. It involves the sacrifice to secure the giving of the covenant by the Lord. And so when you come to Hebrews, it ties together the old and the new. You're going to see several references to Jesus as the mediator or the surety of the New Testament. Chapter 12, verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. But then look at Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now, I'm going to deliberately skip things out here to cause you to see the point. Now, the God of peace make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. So verse 20 and 21, it begins, Now the God of peace, and then the, if you like, the, 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 the verb is used there, Now the God of peace make you perfect, working in you. It's a prayer for God to do good to his people. And what is the ground of that prayer? The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, working in you. So the ground of the apostle's prayer, the ground of his hope that God will work in his people is nothing less than the blood of Christ, the blood of the everlasting covenant. And so when you come back to Psalm 119, you're, you're considering this, this subject with me tonight. And we're, we're burdened. We're not as healthy as we should be. We understand we all need this breath of God, this breath of revival. What is our ground? What is our confidence? 
It is the covenant of God secured by blood. That's our hope. And if you're feeling cold and hard tonight, and you're feeling hopeless, put your hope in the Lord. Turn again to who God is. Consider his loving kindness. A loving kindness that is undergirded by his faithfulness, and God cannot deny himself. A faithfulness that is undergirded by his justice. Christ has died, securing every blessing. Therefore, God cannot withhold what Christ has purchased. He said, what hope do I have? I want quickened, but I, I, I feel nothing. I want to be stirred in my soul. But here's your ground. Here's how you pray. It's according to your loving kindness. On the ground of covenant, on the ground of blood, stir up my soul. Have you prayed that sort of prayer? Or have you, in your coldness of heart, simply said, Lord, help me? That's a good prayer. Don't, don't misunderstand. That's a good prayer. But here's a prayer that's holding upon the character of God. That's not simply thinking of God in the background, but that is determined to get to God as the very focus and ground of the prayer. I've got to know your God. God is the hope of our prayers. His character, it is to God that we plead. Hope for answer is found nowhere else in the character of God. So that's the first thought here in terms of this prayer for God to, to quicken us in our spiritual malady. And the second one then is to feed upon the Word. Feed upon the Word of God. Like I said, these are overlapping thoughts. Verse 154, plead my cause and deliver me, quicken me according to thy word. And then verse number 156, quicken me according to thy judgments. Now again, both of those references, there are, there are different ways in which you can see and consider that. For now, simply note, there's a connection between a reviving of our soul and the word of God. Now, this is where things uh, certainly get somewhat complicated. I don't mean complicated to understand. I mean complicated in our experience. Because what happens, what's sometimes the cause of our spiritual coldness? It is because we've left off the Word. Uh, leaving off the Scriptures, we become cold and dull in our hearts. And when we're, when we're cold and dull in our hearts, it's hard to benefit from the Word. It's a symptom of our coldness. We lose an appetite in the Word. But the remedy to dullness is to be in the Word. So the cure is to be in the Word. But we don't want to be in the Word. Our appetite's not in the Word. We don't desire the Scriptures because we're cold. And in fact, we may be cold because we've left off the Word. So the cure seems unattainable. Do you understand that? If this is the solution, but the solution is part of the problem, what are we to do? Well, force-feed yourself. If you will not eat the Word, make yourself eat the Word. Those who find themselves, perhaps through various reasons and illness, uh, and they haven't eaten for a long, long time, how do they begin to eat? Small amounts and often. A verse here and a verse there, and you find yourself consuming the Word of God again, and little by little you grow and you grow in your appetite for the Word of God, but the worst thing to do is allow yourself to continue to starve. It is through the Word of God that God will revive and encourage your soul. I'm going to give you three reasons. 
The character of God is proven in His Word. I've said to you already that if we're going to pray and hope, we need to know the Lord God, and yet God shows Himself in His Word. It's a word of self-revelation. And so if you're going to hope in God's character, you must go to the Word of God to learn, to remember your gods. You turn back to verse 52 of our psalm, and you'll see again the, the emphasis here remembering. I have remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Where does he find comfort in affliction? It's in the Word of God. By remembering the Word. Verse number 55. I have remembered thy name, O Lord. The comfort is found in remembering the name of God as revealed in the Word of God. And what is that name of God? Exodus 34. God who's abundant in loving kindness and goodness. And so the character of God is proven in his word. The works of God are in the word. You see, in the word of God, we see God's past dealings. Not just in spitting red seas and allowing people to cross the Jordan, but we, we see God's dealings with the individual. Those who are in spiritual need. We see Christ as the angel of God coming to Elijah with the right words and the right advice and the right comfort to him in his time of need. We see the Lord of the Thomas. Look, see, reach, an appropriate word for Thomas in his need. We see the Lord with Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus, expounding the scripture to them. The Lord perfectly knows how to deal with his people. And we see that in the word. And so you're reading your Bible, and you read through, and you get to Luke 24, and you, you read of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and you think to yourself, Lord, if you do this for them, you can do it for me. Show me Christ in all the scriptures. The Word of God shows you the tenderness of God with the individual believer. The character of God in the Word, the works of God in the Word, the promises of God in the Word. I will say more of this in a minute or two. But we need increasing faith, don't we? The promises of God, they put fuel on the fire of prayer. You want to know how to pray? You need to pour on the oil of the promises of God. Pour that upon your fire in your soul and your fire will strengthen and grow. The promises of God are in the Word. You see, in the Word of God, the character of God, the works of God, the promise of God, in all of these things, we see Christ in all the Scriptures. We see His love in the Gospel. If our desire is a closer walk with God, then that desire is to love God more, to love Christ more, and we love because He first loved us. And so in the Word of God, we come and we meditate upon the love of God in Christ Jesus, and our hearts are stirred. You're cold in heart. You come to the house of God. And there you hear of Christ. You sing of Christ. You hear of his work and his sufferings and his willing sacrifice. And your hearts are stirred. Or you enter into your closet and you know your heart is not where it should be. You know this coldness and dullness. And you, you go to the closet and you go with this prayer. Where is my Savior today? Where is Christ in the Word today? Show me the Lord today in the Scriptures. Folks, we need to be serious with these things. This is not just pietistical nonsense. For you to walk with God, you need to take these things seriously. That you seek to find Christ in the Scriptures, to know your heart stirred up and encouraged. 
Thus daily as we pray for this revival in our souls, pray with your Bible open. Dig in, meditate, consider your Saviour. Force yourself to feed upon the Word even when you don't want to. When you've no desire, that's all the more time to read the Word of God. Thirdly, we've thought about the character of God and hoping in that. We've thought about feeding upon the Word of God. And very, very briefly, I'm encouraging you to pray over the promises of God. This is just tying it all together. And that's the language of our psalm here. Quicken me according to thy judgments. What are those judgments? Well, verse 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And I suggest to you at least part of the meaning of the word judgments here are the purposes of God in promised form. God's promises will never, ever fail. And God's judgments are declarations of his purposes in the future. To redeem a people unto himself, that Christ would see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And so we're encouraged here to plead upon the promises of God. I think that's at least part of what's involved in these phrases. Plead for God's promises of mercy to be shown to you. So thus saith the high and lofty one that hath eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also is a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Spiritual dullness always has some element of pride involved in it. And so to no revival there is a need to humble ourselves, to be contrite before God, but we do so on the ground of the promise that God will dwell with those who are of a contrite and a humble spirit. And as he dwells thus, he will revive our spirit and revive our hearts. Only, know, only you know the true state of your heart with Christ tonight. Only you can really assess your own soul at this time. Do so honestly, diligently, and I guarantee that even those spiritual of you in this meeting tonight will still have in your heart desire, quicken me, quicken me. And so may you know your God. May you delight in his word and plead his promises. He's a faithful God of loving kindness to his people. What a blessed truth it is to know God in this way. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified. <laughs>